Are you thinking the way I did, that the phrase, thy kingdom come, was a prayer inviting Jesus to return at any moment? Now, granted, I want him to return, but thy kingdom come means that, but so, so much more. And understanding more of what this phrase means has transformed my prayer life. You're going to hear more about it coming up on this episode of Storming the Gates. Welcome to Storming the Gates, a podcast that celebrates the power of prayer. You will be inspired, equipped, and find strength for every battle you face. You know, whenever I prepare for a podcast, I begin by simply taking a look at what I am praying about, thinking about, uh, sharing, and I ask God to show me what He says about it. And then for a season, I'm just trying to listen, allowing the Holy Spirit to answer that prayer by directing my thoughts or scripture or teaching uh, to me to bring things to life as he wills. Well, initially, knowing thy kingdom come was on the horizon. I wondered how much I really had to say about the Lord's return, because that's all I considered this phrase to be referring to. Wow, I was wrong. I guess all those years growing up in the denominational church had implanted that idea into my head, and I never realized there could be more. But of course, as God's word usually is, there is a lot more. Well, first of all, understand that much like the phrase, hallowed be thy name, that we examined in the last episode of Storming the Gates, praying thy kingdom come is both a prayer and a declaration. We are asking the Lord to send his kingdom to earth, which is both an end times and a right now prayer. It is also pronouncing over the thing we're praying about that God's kingdom will reign. Also, thy kingdom come is followed by thy will be done. And these two are also very closely related. When we ask for God's kingdom to come, We're saying we want the will of heaven to be accomplished here on earth. The same way surrendering our will into God's hand is asking God to accomplish his will in us. I already have a two-part series on the phrase that I will be done, and I'm going to provide a link in the show notes to that. It is one of my most listened to podcasts, so I pray you'll enjoy it if you haven't yet listened. So the phrase, the kingdom of God, appears 54 times in the Gospels alone. Kingdom of Heaven shows up 31 times. That's pretty significant. It begins in Matthew 3, 2, where that fiery preacher, John the Baptist, is shouting, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Then Jesus began his ministry by picking up this mantra in Matthew 4, verse 17, where it says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So coming up, I'm going to be sharing four ways that we pray in order to see God's kingdom come to earth. And the very first way relates back to that verse. It's coming to God through repentance. Now, I do find it interesting that so many of us, and if I'm being honest, myself included, don't like this thought of preaching repentance. It's abrasive and it's offensive. And there is this new move of being sensitive and listening before we blast someone with the gospel. And all of that is good. And I'm not going to not compassion and caring for one another. But I think it's also important that we understand repentance is the key that unlocks a door into the kingdom of heaven. We want to get to heaven, right? However God leads us. 
Well, our holy God inhabits heaven. And in order for anyone to even begin to understand his kingdom, we must forsake our own fleshly nature and desire through repentance. And you may not like the idea of needing to repent. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't say this. I'm just repeating what God's word says. Take it up with him. All right. For instance, the very next place kingdom of heaven is mentioned is Matthew 5, verse 3 in the Beatitudes, where Jesus says, blessed are the pure in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How do we become poor in spirit? Not by giving away all our belongings and serving beggars in the streets of Calcutta. Although certainly someone who becomes poor in spirit may do exactly that. Instead, we become poor in spirit by no longer seeing ourselves as powerful and wonderful, but by recognizing our own desperate poverty without Jesus' spirit indwelling and empowering us. And it doesn't happen naturally. This is a choice we have to make. It's a tough choice because we like to think of ourselves as so much better than we really are. I've learned through the years that people want to see themselves as much more noble than they really are. Let me give you a good example. Quite a few years ago, I was approached by a young man who wanted uh, my help assisting with the youth ministry that he was planning. I mean, he had wonderful ideas for this great foundation, and it was going to assist at-risk teens in the community through mentorships, through getting them jobs, uh, through teaching them skills. He had picked out a building, he'd visited local community government bodies, and he was already applying for permits. And you know what? I totally wanted to be part of that. But there was something inside of me saying, don't give up your day job, Joni. Well, this young man was basing his ministry on a large six-figure donation his brother had promised him. His brother's teen daughter had died in a tragic accident, and the father had won a significant settlement in a lawsuit. The brother had wanted to honor his deceased daughter by using a portion of the money to begin a ministry to youth. And I mean, what could be more sure than a grieving father wanting to ensure his daughter is remembered well? Well, after quite a while, the man who had won the settlement finally received his money. And at that, crickets began chirping. Well, my friend eagerly awaited a portion to begin this ministry. His brother became silent. And then soon, my friend learned his brother was working on his house and had bought a boat and was taking a vacation. More time went by. My friend finally heard from the brother, who now promised a much lesser sum. More time. A new promise for even less. And finally, my friend was given about enough to pay a month's worth of bills. Now, I find it intriguing now. When people say, if I had a million bucks, I would donate to this cause. Because I have seen this happen two times now. People were given large sum of money uh, that they had promised to help someone with. But then it never came to pass when the actual finances hit the hands of the donator. We envision ourselves being generous, kind, giving, compassionate. Yet the truth, according to scripture, is that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That is found in Jeremiah seventeen nine, and is followed up in verse 10 with, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. And then let's combine that with what 
Jesus said to the church of Laodicea in Revelation, he said, you say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. I think it's worthwhile to occasionally ask God, am I thinking I'm rich when I'm really poor? So first is repentance. And secondly, we want to align ourselves with kingdom principles and it directly will follow repentance. Each of us has been given a slice of the world through which we're expected to bring God's kingdom. Well, in order to bring God's kingdom in the world around us, we must bring God's kingdom within us. As Matthew goes on, Jesus then tells his disciples, as ye go preach, saying the kingdom of God is at hand. So if we're his disciples, now it's our turn to bring God's kingdom to earth. Well, what's the center of our physical world? Oh, ourselves. That's where we need to start. Let's ask ourselves, is God's kingdom reigning over our words? How do we speak to family members, co-workers? Do our words become poison when a gossip session starts up at the proverbial water cooler? Do we attack people through social media? Then we ask, is God's kingdom reigning in my mind? Are we allowing the words, uh, the world's philosophies to infiltrate our mind? Or are we soaking up God's word? And what about our physical body? Are we using it to glorify God in the way we act or dress or serve? Or, this is a big one, I think, are we running our own little kingdom and asking God's blessing, doing what we want to do and expecting God to jump in and serve us and our endeavor? rather than asking God what he wants and serving him in his kingdom. Are we reigning over our kingdoms or is God reigning over our kingdoms? All right, number three, we need to become a violent people, but not violent in a physical sense. Take a look at Matthew 11, verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Now, violence right now is a bad word, as it should be, because physical violence against a human being is wrong. But I like what the Benson commentary says about this verse, and it explains it well. The spirits of men are so excited and animated by a desire after this kingdom that it is, as it were, attacked like a besieged city, men of all sorts pressing to get into it, and a violence like that of men who are taking a place by storm. So you see, as we declare in word indeed, thy kingdom come, we are yanking down the rule of heaven and bringing it into Satan's lair. We thrust our way in by first pressing violently into the Lord's kingdom through a complete turning away of sin, And then we grab a hold of God's kingdom with such excitement that we are yanking it forcefully onto this earth. Satan's kingdom is one of death. We see his kingdom influencing more and more of our world every day. Gross immorality, pain, addictions, mutilations. Streets are littered with homeless people. Movies are filled with corrupt agendas from hell. And that is why the Lord calls us to violently lay hold of God's kingdom and violently bring it to earth in prayer and decrees. It means 
don't be lackadaisical about pulling God's kingdom down. Declaring thy kingdom come is saying, oh, no, you don't, Satan. I'm not leaving. I'm not playing. I'm not quitting. And I won't let you and your ugly little demon tribe take over. I am here and I will be aggressively pulling God's kingdom into this situation every single day. Now, fourth and finally, we bring God's kingdom in as we worship. Woo! Psalm 100 tells us to enter God's courts, which if there's a courtroom, that means there's a kingdom. Anyway, we enter with praise and thanksgiving. Worship and prayer go hand in hand. And recently, I've seen the power of worship as a weapon of spiritual warfare. I head up to children's ministry at our church, and I was on an internet group that's dedicated to children's workers. And there, I read one gal's experience. She was describing how her kids love prayer and worship. They don't even want to stop to play games or have snacks or win prizes. So I contacted her and I said, what is your secret? And she told me, I go in my kids' room an hour before class time and I pray and I worship. I change the atmosphere. I chase out all hindrances to God's kingdom by taking authority over that room. Okay, I thought, I'll give it a try. And that's what we mean by violently pulling the kingdom down. So honestly, for years, God has been telling me to arrive at church early and pray in the kids' classroom. In fact, I've seen myself laying face down, prostrate in prayer and worship, but then I didn't do it. So I began. Within a few weeks, another teacher who was hungry to see God work in the kids' lives decided to join me. A few more weeks later, my daughter and her husband began showing up. My son-in-law is an anointed worship leader, and he began to play the guitar and worship as we prayed. And I don't know, that was a game changer. Now, he's only been doing this a few weeks, but the first week, our class was larger than ever. And there was like joy and a lightness in the air, just like the gal had told me. The atmosphere was completely changed. And it wasn't just in our classroom, but the whole church. And that has continued over the last few weeks as we've been doing this. Once, while my son-in-law worshiped, I saw in the spirit the foundations of the enemy's strongholds cracking. I feel strongly prayer and worship will be essential to continue tearing down Satan's kingdom and ushering God's kingdom in. A lot of times we don't know where Satan has a stronghold, but as we pray and worship, it cracks, it dissolves, it falls apart. There's a lot more to say about worship as warfare, but I'll have to return to that in another episode. But I begin this podcast by saying how studying this phrase has transformed my prayer life. I began praying over people and things, thy kingdom come. Like this, I'll say, God, bring your kingdom into the situation. Bring your kingdom into my children's lives. Bring your kingdom into my home. Your kingdom come to my church. Your kingdom come to our government. Your kingdom come in my marriage. I like to walk and say, thy kingdom come over the neighborhood. It is just a great prayer declaration, especially because so often we don't know how to pray for a thing. So we can pray for the divine will of heaven to be manifested by declaring aloud, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come to this podcast. Thy kingdom come to the listeners. Thy kingdom come to our hearts and our minds, our words and our actions. 
Additionally, Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Well, now you have some new words to use and pray God's kingdom down to earth. Pray righteousness over a wayward child or husband. Pray peace over the confused and lost. Pray joy over brokenhearted ones. These are elements of the kingdom. When we pray for these things, we are praying, thy kingdom come. That's why I've been so fascinated as I've really taken this deep dive into Lord's Prayer, because it's so short and simple. But when you really think about what Jesus was saying, wow, it's really deep and incredible and just covers all the areas of life that we would pray for. Well, after you have done all you can to take God's kingdom into your realm, stand and you will see the salvation of the Lord. Let's end in prayer. Lord, I thank you that your kingdom reigns above all. I thank you for the authority that you have in heaven and on earth and the authority that you have given us to declare and decree your kingdom come. I pray that we will be humble enough to let your flashlight in and reveal wherever we might need to repent. I pray, Lord, that we'll hunger and thirst for you so much more than we desire our own kingdoms, that we will get out of the way and step aside so that your kingdom may reign in all that we say and all that we do, in all the places we go to, that we'll trust you, Lord, and that we will endeavor to bring your kingdom to earth in the place where you have set us. In Jesus' name, amen. I am so glad you came by today to listen, and uh, I want to encourage you once again to sign up for the newsletter. You'll get some free prayer cards and a Bible study with each new edition of it. And also be sure to grab the show notes for the next two episodes on Thy Will Be Done. And may the rest of your summer be glorious, warm, and wonderful. Thank you once again for listening to Storming the Gates. Be sure to visit our website at stormingthegates.net. While there, sign up for the newsletter and you'll receive free prayer cards and a Bible study for each episode. Check the show notes for links to items mentioned in today's show. We'll see you here again for the next episode of Storming the Gates, a podcast that celebrates the power of prayer. 